0: Welcome back to License the Spiel. I'm that hate, and I'm Carl Wonders, and we're talking about the born supremacy. Indeed, we are. And this is just dumb and makes no sense. But it like popped into my head as soon when I started watching this. So you know the song "Born Free" as free as the wind. Blah blah blah. Oh, blah. yeah. Whatever. John Barry. So like in my head, yep. I was just like "Born Supreme." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway,
2: yeah. anyway. Now I have to share that um I think you watched this today cuz you texted me at some point earlier today and said yes. that <laughs> it you you clearly didn't remember anything about this movie because you forgot that Carl Urban was in it.
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> Which we both discussed this and then we 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 came to the realization that when this movie came out very few people knew who Carl Urban
1: was.
2: Right. I mean I I knew him from <laughs> The Two Towers and The Return of the King. And he doesn't look a thing like that because he doesn't have his long blonde wing on or anything like that. Uh, And I I actually remember watching this for the first time and it bugging me and running off to the computer because this was before we had iPhones (laughs) and looking up on IMDb who this guy was because I couldn't quite. Uh, You didn't have
0: a palm trio, huh?
2: (laughs) No, I didn't have a palm trio flip phone or, you know, a pocket PC or any of that (laughs) stuff that they have in this movie. (laughs) <laughs> we keep talking about how movies of this era, the late 90s and early aughts, just date so badly because of mm-hmm. um mostly because of phone technology.
0: Yeah. And- yeah, no, it was like when we watched Casino Royale. It's uh it's like everything feels Modern, because at this point they were making movies more or less the same way they are now. Like, because mm-hmm. like things from the early '90s and earlier, like they all have a different feel to them because filmmaking was just different back then. Yeah. But uh, a movie made in the early 2000s is generally paced more or less pretty similarly to a movie made today, and like shot very similarly. So it really, it's only until <laughs> it's only when someone pulls out a phone or sits down at a computer that you're like. Oh, <laughs>
2: well, there's I mean, we're jumping way ahead, but there's that scene where Bourne goes to the Internet Cafe in Berlin. <laughs> yes. To figure out where the hotel is. I'm
0: or like, wow, when he I pulls out those. the road map to figure out where he, Berlin is.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he, he went to his local German AAA office and got the map of Germany. And
0: <laughs> Wouldn't it be like the. Triple R
2: office? I don't know.
0: Well, no, it wouldn't be. The first one wouldn't be NA because it wouldn't be American. It would be like the, I don't know, AAD Automobile Association Deutschland or something.
2: Yeah. I don't know what it would be. We we need to ask like Steffi or something. It would be one long word. (laughs) It would just be (laughs) Das Auto Deutschland or something. know. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah yes it would um, certainly have at least 37 letters in it
2: yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> one long word i, I love german uh, you, so you mentioned uh you know the look and feel of these movies and being consistent
1: kind of today
2: mm-hmm. i mean we should talk about how so doug lyman directed the first movie and it was a big hit uh i tried to figure out exactly like what happened and it was a i ran across a really really long New Yorker article which I know is redundant uh about <laughs> him getting fired off of this project or not hired to do this project it it wasn't really a story worth spending any time on um but the end result is they went out and got Paul Greengrass to direct this movie and I think it really ushered in the era of the shaky cam quick editing mm-hmm. uh action movie we t- when we did the Quantum of Solace we kind of talked about how clearly that movie was reacting to the style that we really see in this film and and in the sequel. Um, I I don't know if you have an opinion of his style of making movies or, or just in general or this movie in particular.
0: Uh, There were a few times during like the chase scenes where I was lamenting the fact that we have established 24 frames per second as the cinematic standard and (laughs) will not change because Mm -hmm. there were quite a few scenes where you couldn't really tell what was happening because the action was moving a lot faster than the camera shutter.
2: Yeah. No, that, yeah. Uh, I I don't mind it so much in this film. When we get to the next film, I'll have more to say about it because I think they really went to the nth degree on that one. You know, they, they did stuff in this movie that I think for the most part works. The only, the scene that I really struggle with is when he goes to meet the other Treadstone agent in in um, mm-hmm. Munich, I believe. And they have that fight scene in his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it's a, com- like, there's these Venetian blinds and stuff in there and everything. It's just really hard to follow for me. Uh, yeah. A lot of it.
0: And I the, think if it had been shot in 48 frames per second, I think it would be a lot easier to follow.
2: Or they could shoot it in 60 frames per second. Or 60. It look
0: like a soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> it could look so, like video. Here's, here's my thing with this. And <laughs> I'm going to get some, Real cinephiles yelling at me because I'm because they think I'm wrong, but 60 frames per second is better. The Mm. only reason films are 24 frames per second, it was a technical limitation in the 30s. Yep, there is no actual reason to do it now, it doesn't make the film look more artistic by giving it a lower frame rate. You just and you only think that 60 frames per second is cheap because you're used to seeing it on TV, but. Well, that or
2: if you have motion smoothing turned on your television.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. No, (laughs) I I, want to be very clear here that I am not talking about frame interpolation like you get with the motion smoothing turned on on a television, which are so often turned on by default. That's bad because it never looks correct. That's where you're taking a 24 frames per second source and using an algorithm to generate additional frames to make it 60 frames per second. That doesn't look good. I'm talking about actually shooting it that way from the beginning. And so that the motion is naturally smooth.
2: <laughs> so I don't know if you know the answer to this because I'm, I'm very much a, an amateur and just an enthusiast with this stuff. Is that something that's possible with actual film cameras or is it something that would have to be done digitally? Is it, no, it can you be know- done
0: with actual film. Okay. They just it couldn't done it at one time. And that's sure. why they settled on 24 because they couldn't spin the film fast enough for it. Right. But that's not a no, they could do it with actual film today. It would use, you know, obviously, if you're doing 60 frames per second, you're using uh, you're using over twice as much film. But yes, you can. St- well, you can and then, do it and then film.
2: you know, now I realize that that was such a dumb question because people have been undercranking action scenes since we've you know, we're talking about the 60s Bond films.
1: Oh yeah, and, and
2: and and they they shoot at high frame at a high frame rate and then replay it back and it's it looks
1: mm-hmm.
2: actually that's undercranking, um but you can overcrank too and make yes. it to make it slower, uh so, but yeah the I mean the style of this film is very it's very early to mid aughts I think yes uh this movie and I don't know if this movie was the first one I don't know much about Paul Greengrass's filmography before this movie. I know he went on and did the one 9-11 movie, um and a bunch of other born movies. Uh
0: yeah, I, thinking, I think I really only know him from yeah. the movies.
2: <laughs> right. Uh he he has a definite style, uh the handheld camera work and all that. Uh oh
0: he did I, Captain Phillips as well.
2: Yes he did. Which also he, lends itself well to that
0: uh I've actually never seen it. Okay. It has he did, it, okay, he apparently has a has a thing for tom hanks okay because he also did news of the world oh did he i didn't realize that okay yeah
1: oh huh.
0: if you can get tom hanks to be in your movie why wouldn't you
2: well yeah tom hanks isn't in any of these though
0: <laughs> imagine tom hanks as jason Bourne.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man he, he would end up being like the the bad person that Runs the office or something.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> I I should also point out that um, uh, Tony Gilroy, the screenwriter, who's so wait, are you saying Tom Hanks
0: would play the Brian Cox role?
2: I, I no, I can't see him playing Brian Cox, but maybe more like the Brian Stratheran or the David Stratheran role from next movie. Although okay. I really like I, I really like David Stratheran, so I wouldn't want that. And oh shoot, who's the guy that was in the the last movie? Oh, yeah.
0: i have no memories of the last movie i saw it in the theater i honestly could not tell you a thing of what happened
2: oh how did i forget it, it was tommy lee jones
0: yes it was I, yeah. and i only know that because i'm looking at the cast list right now oh. i honestly do not remember the last movie at all but also, I didn't remember this movie, so... We're <laughs> having, I'm having fun watching these movies that I theoretically watched yeah. at some point in time.
2: <laughs> All I remember about the last Jason Bourne movie was that it wasn't necessary.
0: It wasn't any less necessary than the Jeremy Renner one.
2: True. I mean, they... they, Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Alicia Vikander was in the, Bourne, the last Bourne movie, because...
0: I like Alicia Vikander.
2: I like her a lot too. Uh, uh, but I think ever since Ex a, Machina, she's been pocket. She was popping up in a lot of movies. Yeah, right around right when that happened.
0: And some of them weren't weren't very good.
2: The uh, Tomb Raider movie. Tomb
0: Raider <laughs> is, the, is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <sighs>
0: we were talking before we started recording about movies that don't stick to their adaptations and then become bad. Tomb Mm -hmm. Raider is a good example of that. The video game that that movie is based on is fantastic and has a great story. And they cut out the interesting part of that story, which was the zombie samurai. Like, (laughs) like they took they cut out the supernatural elements from the video game that made that that story interesting. And it just sucked. Mm hmm. I remember, I was so excited to go see that because it's one of my favorite games that the specific the 2013 video game that it's based on because it's based on it's a movie based on a video game that was a reboot of the video game franchise from the from the 90s
2: that had its own movie series
0: <laughs> that also had its own movie series. Yes, um, but this was based on the 2013 video game. And. It's an amazing video game. It's one of my favorite games I've ever played. And it's just a really bad movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, to, to bring it back to, to this movie, I mean, talking about adaptations, uh, they basically took the name of the book. And mm-hmm. that's it. Um, it, To the point where I don't even think the title, The Born Supremacy, makes any sense for what happens in this movie. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the born identity. Sure, he doesn't know who he is, and et cetera, et cetera. The, this is not a movie about him rising above anything or be the credits. <laughs> you still, say it was based on the book by Robert
0: Ludlum. Sure,
2: but it, it's not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the credits for um the Spy Who Loved Me still say they were based. It was based on the book by uh. Ian Fleming. (laughs) Ian Fleming too, so Yeah. Or Moonraker. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if
2: if they actually say based on the book other than for a long time. I mean, it says Ian Fleming's James Bond. Right. I mean the the book is all about Jason Bourne going off to China and dealing with this and and Marie situation, who isn't at all the same character. She's a uh, she's um Maria is a Canadian in the book series. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, I read in the Wikipedia article when I was doing some extremely cursory research for this mm-hmm. uh, that they deviated from the book because the world had changed since 1986. Was script- well, yeah. Uh, Tony Gil- Gilroy's justification for it,
2: right? Yeah, according to Wikipedia, the Born Supremacy, the book gave its name to the second Bourne film, The Bourne Supremacy, starring Matt Damon. However, the movie adaptation has a completely different plot from the novel. So. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a decent plot, though. Yeah. So you hadn't remembered any of this movie from what I understand, you're telling me.
0: I I really, all I remembered from it was that Marie dies in the beginning. I remembered that part. Uh, And that was pretty much, and I remember the scene at the very end where he tells Landy that she looks tired because he's looking at her through, yep. through her window. I remember I mean, those are the only parts of the movie I remember.
2: I mean, to be fair, that scene's also in the next movie.
0: <laughs> yes, it is, which is so. probably why I remembered it. <laughs> because I remember in the next movie, it started out with the, the final scene from this one, although I don't remember too much from the next one either. Oh, okay. Because no, it
2: doesn't it does not begin with the with the final scene from this movie, which is one of the things I think is great about the one of the few things to be completely honest that I like about the next movie.
0: Okay, I they had that scene though. I yes, and yes. I remember he like breaks into the CIA offices or something at one point mm-hmm. in that movie. And I yep. remember there's a scene where he does a completely ridiculous jump up a curb with a motorcycle.
2: Yes, cuz we it when we were doing I think <laughs> was it skyfall Yes, or, or no, no, it was, um, no, it was, uh, no time to die.
0: <laughs> yeah. When he does yeah. that
2: and we're like, that reminds me of the Born ultimatum.
0: Yeah. And I think at that time I said, that's the only thing I remember for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to watching that one. I'm, I'm enjoying watching these Born movies for what's effectively the first time for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I,
2: I have said multiple times in multiple places on Twitter and here that this, this one, the Born Supremacy, is my favorite of the three. Okay, uh, and you know, you and
0: then you said you didn't remember. What what did you think of the movie overall? I thought it was decent. Okay, I think I liked Identity better though. Okay, I think Identity has a more interesting story to me with him mm-hmm. trying to figure out who he is, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, obviously that's part of this, but not to the same extent. I I, I just think the the I feel like identity sort of pulled me in and got me invested in the story a little more
1: than this one did.
2: Sure. Yeah. And I mean, this one, it has, if you ever watch any of the, uh, behind the scenes, star Wars stuff where, you know, this is the, the empire strikes back problem of, you know, how do you mm-hmm. tell a middle chapter of a story? Uh, cause I mean, despite the fact there are five movies in this series, the story really ends after three of them.
1: <laughs> <And>
2: <laughs> to a degree, and this one kind of has to tell a story but not actually resolve anything right i mean i we'll we'll get to the specifics when we just go through the movie i've always i for whatever reason, I didn't go see the first two of these in the theater. I think it was because I was in grad school and uh just didn't have the time to get out to the theater, and then uh, my parents had seen them. And we watched born identity and born supremacy like one day and then the next day when like I was visiting for a week or something uh-huh mm-hmm. and and then i i went to see ultimatum in the theater because you know I was really looking forward to it uh, yeah
0: ultimatum was the first one I saw in the theater yeah. as well
2: okay like i i think the first movies and you know we talked about it i think it's it's a it's a good movie it's a it's a lot of fun it's a very interesting story i i they were at least you know uh they were Faithful to the source material, at least as far as what was happening in the story and the idea okay. of this this assassin who doesn't remember anything and, and you know what happens. For whatever reason, the style of the second one just kind of clicks better with me. I like you know, Joan Allen's in it. I think she's great in this movie. Carl Urban turns up, as we said, and he's he's interesting. Uh <laughs> and and I I like I like the arc that Bourne goes through in this film where, yeah, we're going <laughs> to jump to the end of the movie. I like how the climax of the film is him going to this woman, this young woman and saying, I killed your parents. You didn't know this, but I killed your parents and I'm sorry. It's, it's not a big, there. there's a lot of action obviously that happens in this story, but I like how it's a, it's a personal journey for him. And we, we find out, in in the next movie he's kind of going on this pilgrimage to go and apologize to all these people that have that he's affected uh through the course of his his career i guess as an assassin and then he, he goes and visits uh marie's brother who i believe is daniel Bruhl, actually uh in in the next movie but um i don't know i i just and I also enjoy the fact that this isn't like a two and a half hour movie (laughs) that they don't seem to make. They can't make a movie like this anymore. They have to be, you know, three hours long. Um, Right. I mean, like right off the bat, you get this weird like flashback of. uh, You know, they got. um, What's his name? Chris Cooper to come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and we don't we don't quite know what's going on. Um, It's obviously like a dream sequence thing. and born wakes up and he's somewhere we don't know where he is yet um, with marie you know he's he's been keeping the he's been journaling basically <laughs> these things that he remembers um oh it says he's in india
0: i was gonna say uh, i think we do know i think it says yeah, it, There's like, a, right there's, a, there's
2: a caption yeah yeah it says he's in goa
0: yeah which is a lot of times i complain i Complain is the wrong word, but I comment on the ridiculousness of saying things like London, England and Moscow, Russia. But I am glad they said Goa, India, because I would not have known.
2: No, well, they're inside a building. (laughs) Well, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like they say London, England and show your Big big, Ben. Yeah, I was going to say they don't have Big Ben and it says London, England. England.
0: Yeah, and I think um y- you mentioned like Empire Strikes Back. I think mm-hmm. uh especially th- th- that's a very apt comparison because like Star Wars Born Identity was a self-contained story. Yes. Uh so like like New Hope or Star Wars when it first came out, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a self-contained story. Lucas definitely had ideas of doing more, but he was doing one movie. With Born mm-hmm. Identity, they didn't even they didn't even have official plans for a sequel. It's only because of how well born identity did that. They decided to do sequels. Right. So they made this one with the whole point of it being to set up the third one. So yes, very much like empire strikes back.
2: Which yes. Was- <laughs> right. Where we're going to leave on a note that, although we can talk about it later or whenever, you know, you mentioned the alternate ending. I mean, th- there was an alternate ending to the born identity that involves Brian Cox going to visit born in Greece that would have completely undermined anything they tried to do in these
1: movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: a bit.
2: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned, you know, remembering about the last scene and the fact that Marie dies like I think that is my biggest problem with this movie and yep. I I don't know what they would have done with her in the story and I get that to tell the story they wanted to tell he had to be I guess unmoored from from her but the fact that they would just fridge Marie in the first 15 minutes of the movie kind of pisses me off yeah Um,
0: I mean it's a trope for a reason yeah yeah and it's not a good trope
2: uh yeah it's sort of I mean not to this extent but it's like in um, Back to the Future 2 when they bring Jennifer with them to the future and then they just knock her out for the entire movie because they don't know what to do with her (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) it's like because, again, they hadn't planned on doing a sequel when they filmed the end of Back to the Future. and It was supposed to be yes. a joke.
0: <laughs> and once again, Back to the Future 2 was was made to specifically they, at the they, end to set up Back they, to the Future they 3. They them
2: back to back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> at least Back to the Future 2 still had – was its own cohesive story. And then Back to the Future 3 was also its own cohesive story. So. Well, I mean,
2: people would debate that about Back to the Future 2. But I think Back to the Future 2 I, is quite a good movie.
0: I like 2 better than 3, personally. Really? Yes.
1: Oh.
2: I I applaud 2 for its ambition, and I think the last act of that movie, when they go back into the first movie, is just brilliant, especially considering yeah. it was, like, 1988 when they did that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what... You know, uh, I, I, I think they did a fantastic job with that, and it, I actually... I mean, the first one, I think, is the best of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, I... Yeah. I, yeah. I I honestly think that two is a better movie than three.
1: Okay. I
2: mean once they get past the future stuff, which I think is kind of especially now that we're past 2015, uh and don't <laughs> have flying cars and all that business, but
0: Okay, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> I'm just picturing you being Avery Avery Brooks from that IBM commercial. Well, where's my flying car? I was promised flying <laughs> cars. <laughs> it is the year two thousand. But
2: where are the flying cars? I was promised flying cars. I don't see any flying cars. Why? 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 Because billions of people all over the world can work together on the web 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You don't need flying cars, but you will need a different kind of software.
0: Had to slip a Star Trek adjacent reference uh, in there somewhere.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> like you wouldn't have an opportunity when Carl Urban turns up. <laughs> You know, we get the flash, we get the scene in Go with, with Marie and and Jason, where he's saying he's having these flashbacks and it's, he's having dreams and they're the same dream over and over again. And he's getting frustrated. Uh, And then we cut to Berlin, which again, they show the, you know, Berlin, Germany. I don't, I recognize the TV tower just because I've been to Berlin, but I don't think anyone who has not been to Berlin would know that. that Yeah,
0: like unless Uh, you're showing a close up of like the Brandenburg Gate or something, I'm not going to know it's Berlin. (laughs) Yeah, right. But if you just said Berlin, I would still assume they meant Germany and not the town of Berlin in western Pennsylvania.
2: Yes. (laughs) Where they make Snyder's potato chips. Or no, I'm sorry, Snyder potato chips. No, no, those those are from Snyder's in Hanover. That's
0: East Berlin.
2: (laughs) Oh, is it? Okay.
0: (laughs) That's that uh, there's Snyder's of Hanover and Snyder's of East Berlin. Oh. Uh, I don't know if they make anything in, in Berlin. Um,
2: Is there a wall there?
0: No. And East <laughs> Berlin predates it's, it's, East Berlin, Pennsylvania predates East Berlin, Germany by quite a bit. OK. And ironically, it's west of Berlin, Germany, but it's east of another town in Pennsylvania called Berlin. So they had to change their name because of. The postal service re- requirements you couldn't okay. have two of the same town in the same si- state i mean i i should point out that all of the united states is west of berlin germany but <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you can also go east a long way from berlin germany <laughs> eventually true. hit the
1: u.s
2: <laughs> that, that's it that yeah that's true in fact yes, maybe i east-
0: actually you know what
2: i think maybe it is east because i think you crossed the prime meridian on your way, so because as we know from as we know from the great Dan Brown movie, the the Da Vinci Code, the Prime Meridian runs through Paris, which I is in fact didn't west remember Germany.
0: that from the Da
2: Vinci Code. That's the end of the movie. Oh, did when, when he, the movie when he, when he when he you know the rot the rose line and all that stuff when he realizes like that Mary Magdalene is buried under the the Louvre.
0: Oh right, okay. <laughs>
2: This is like the third or fourth time we've mentioned Dan Brown, like just in this podcast. Uh,
0: Uh, No, I'm not watching those movies for this podcast.
2: Because of Inferno, I know.
0: No, just in general. Okay. Um, I mean, yes, I'm still mad about what he did with Inferno, but uh, I tried to watch Da Vinci Code a few years ago and didn't even make it. I made it like an hour in and I'm just like, there's still two hours of this movie left. I'm not. No, I'm done. <laughs> Speaking of Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. I remember liking Angels and Demons.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's the best. The, the best. It's the best of, of
0: the books for
2: sure. It's the best of the books. I think it's the best of the movies they've done. I still think Tom Hanks was terribly miscast as Robert Langdon.
0: Did you read the one that came out a couple years ago? I forget what it's called. About. The-
2: uh, I have it. I haven't read it. Yet, um, origins or
0: something like that, yeah, that's what it's called, yeah, yeah. Um, I found the predictable, well, the so the Dan Brown movies will always have a huge twist, that's Mm -hmm. just how Dan Brown books work. But unlike a lot, unlike the other ones, I knew what the twist would be like a third of the way through the book, okay. Uh, so I, I found that disappointing i guess because it was predictable
2: i mean he's written um two non-robert langdon books to this point and you'll be shocked to find out that they also have big twists in them
0: well you are you telling me a book called deception point has a twist in it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it's the twist in digital fortress that it's actually an analog fortress <laughs> no
2: actually, that one isn't a bad i i'm I don't remember a thing about deception point now that I think about it I've read it
0: <laughs> I've only
2: read the oh, runaway no, I, I, I lie there's there's like they're like in Antarctica and they almost get blown off an ice shelf at one point, but that's all I remember
0: I think that's all they cover, maybe. Like, I I I feel like the cover is like a very is like a snowy something or other.
2: Uh, (laughs) Digital Fortress is the only reason I knew that the NSA was a thing when the NSA became a big news item. (laughs) Because there's a bit at the beginning when the 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 main protagonist, she's an analyst or somebody who works at the NSA. And she's like, whenever I go on dates and she says she works for the NSA and they're like, don't you mean the NSC? And she's like, no, I mean, the NSA, which is lame. But yeah,
0: Angels and Demons. Uh, is where I learned what CERN was. Well, yes, that's true, which wasn't in the movie. Uh, no, but it was in the book. <laughs> it was in the book. So then like a couple years later, when like the Large Hadron Collider made the news, I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, the thing from the Dan Brown book. <laughs> well, I was about to say when when the Pope
2: died or or whatever, and they had to change the choose a new Pope. I'm like, I know how the smoke
0: thing works because I read Angels and Demons. Uh, Well, see, I learned the smoke thing from the movie Eurotrip. <laughs> That's even worse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Eurotrip. Jeez. Scotty uh, doesn't know. Yeah.
0: Hey, Matt Damon's in that movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Forgot about that. Bring it full circle. There we go. It's the weirdest cameo. Like Matt Damon was already a relatively well-known actor at that point. Like I have no idea why he's in that movie.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. My favorite weird cameo still might be when um, um, Doogie Howser shows up in Neil Harrowing Patrick Harris. Kumar. Yeah, oh, Neil yeah. Patrick
0: Harris. And then he's in, in the sequels as well. Oh yeah,
2: but I mean, yeah. So yeah, we find ourselves uh, in the movie uh, that we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, In Berlin, and like in the middle of this CIA operation that's happening. uh, We meet Joan Allen for the first time, who I think Mm -hmm. is a great addition to the story. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Monaghan shows up briefly as like random CIA person number four in these scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only mentioning because she's in the Mission Impossible movies.
1: Yes, she is.
2: Uh, CIA director, who's played by the dude that was hanging out with uh, Russell Crowe in in Gladiator. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's only the only other thing I know him from, really. I mean, right. I've seen him in in, a, in other things, uh, and this is where Carl Urban shows up. Who, as we'd already talked about, I only knew from Lord of the Rings, and certainly didn't recognize. This is pre Star Trek two thousand nine. <sighs>
0: Yeah, he's not, he's not uh, a household name yet. He's still not Carl yet. Suburban. So. <laughs> well done. I guess he was Carl Rural in Lord of the Rings because he knows he's riding a horse.
1: <laughs> Carl Rural. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Carl Township. <laughs> in Pennsylvania, is Carl Borough.
0: Well, they have townships in Pennsylvania. Well,
2: they do, but...
0: They don't have towns.
2: No, there's no town. Although there is a townville that's not far from where I grew up.
0: Yes, but it's a borough.
2: It is. <laughs> but yeah, this is the usual. Something's going on. It doesn't go according to plan. It's going to set up the story. Yep. They're doing some kind of buy. Carl Urban shows up, shoots the people the, that are working for the CIA and makes off. And with we see him
0: money. conspicuously leaving a fingerprint at the scene. Yes. Not his wondered. own, but like, no. from a. From a piece of tape.
1: Yep.
2: I don't know how they got that, but anyway. Yeah,
0: I was wondering that.
2: (laughs) Uh, Carl Urban goes back to this hotel and meets this Russian guy that we don't know who he is yet, but he's clearly paying him to do something.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I think Carl Urban's name is Kirill or something, but I don't even know if he has a name in the movie. Uh,
0: Yeah, Kirill is the name... In according to IMDb, but I don't think it's ever said.
2: No. And he's sent off to do another job that's mysterious sounding, but we assume it has something to do with Jason Bourne because we because he's handed his photo. Oh, that's oh, that is true. Yeah, he does get a photo (laughs) of Jason Bourne. Never mind. Yeah,
0: I think it's weird. It's wild to me that, like, when we're in India, we see like a post with a bunch of uh flyers put up on it, and they're all in English. Like, I, I realize that they, s- a lot of people speak English in India, but yeah, like I wouldn't expect to see a big poster for massage, a- advertising massage in English on the on the you know bulletin board in India.
2: Well, I mean, is Goa a tourist destination?
0: I mean, it's at the ocean, so probably. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. I hadn't thought
2: of that. Vijay Armitrage does not show up in this movie.
0: Uh, <laughs> nope, it's not Star Trek 4.
2: Nope. Well, I was thinking Octopussy. But.
0: I know. <laughs> but my first thought whenever I think of Vijay Armitrage is Star Trek 4.
2: Well, and, and you, you mentioned the other day this connection between that and Mission Impossible 4 that we failed to mention on that podcast. So you might as well mention it here <laughs> that they both go off to India. Yes. Uh, although Ghost Protocol is much better than Octopussy.
0: Someone did a long thread on Twitter of all the um, most likely coincidental uh, James mm-hmm. Bond similarities in Glass Onion. And one okay. of them was Test Tennis Pro Cameo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. I mean... I elevate Serena Williams slightly above V.J. Armitrage in terms of tennis cameos, but (laughs) also I don't think V.J. Armitrage is a cameo.
0: No, not really. It was a cameo in Star Trek.
1: Yeah.
2: What if a solar sail ever worked?
0: Our engineer is attempting to rig a makeshift solar Solar sail. Solar (laughs)
2: sail. We have high hopes that this will, if successful, generate power to keep us alive. Keep us
1: alive. (laughs)
0: <laughs> my favorite part of that is he's not even looking at the screen no. when he's recording that
2: <laughs> at least Jane Weidland looked at the, at the screen in her cameo because she was the other Starfleet captain with the weird hair Right. she is not the singing telegram in that movie
0: <laughs> well then that means hopefully she survives that's <laughs> true <laughs>
2: But yeah, this is the scene where um, Marie and Jason Bourne switch slides for some reason in the car and she ends up getting shot. Yep. Uh, So goodbye, Marie. You made it to the 17 minute mark of the second movie.
0: It's a shame because if he hadn't honked for Marie to get in the car, Carl Urban might not have noticed him. That's true. So it's really his fault.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have in my notes around this point that Carl Urban is actually pretty bad at his job. (laughs) I mean, he he fails to do any follow up whatsoever that he actually killed Jason Bourne in the scene.
0: Yeah, he's just like, hey, sure, I'm sure he's dead.
2: I didn't see him come up for air, even though he's watching from like the other side of the riverbank.
0: Yeah, for all he knows, he could be under there, you know, pulling a Robin Hood and breathing through a reed or something.
2: Or from the tire, like in uh, View to a Kill.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs)
2: I still don't think that
0: works. Uh, You know what else I don't think works? Mm. Rescue breathing underwater. Mm -mm. (laughs) No, I think we talked about that in uh,
2: Tomorrow Never Dies, actually. (laughs) You can't do rescue
0: breathing when you're underwater. He tries, though. (laughs) He tries, yeah.
2: I think she was dead anyway.
0: Yeah, I think she was already dead, yes. But, I mean, the point of the rescue breathing is to hopefully, you know, make them not dead Um, yes well yes
2: (laughs) yeah cut back to berlin they do a (laughs) they 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 get the fingerprint off of the charge that was left behind and they put it on a pocket pc that okay (laughs) i don't think that's how that works but i
0: i owned a pocket pc in this era and i can tell you that screen is not nearly sensitive enough to be able to detect a fingerprint Like it will detect that there is a finger on the screen, but that's even that doesn't work really well. Most of them came with styluses because you couldn't really. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, okay.
0: So they scan his fingerprint and they get a positive match.
2: And then this banner pops up that says Treadstone project clearance required. It's like, cool. You just told everyone what the project is. They're not supposed to know about like, Come on. <laughs> That's not how clearance works. I mean, she says she needs a level five SCI clearance, which I I, I, I mean, I know what SCI clearance is. That's pretty damn high. I don't know if a level five thing is something that exists.
0: Well, you don't know about it because you don't have it. That's true. You're not allowed to look up files on Project Treadstone.
2: But then Landy goes to the CIA boss and gets it later.
0: Yeah, and one thing I I, I did that, like, immediately stands out to me is in this room, they've got their computer, their uh, computers are connected to these early 2000s Sony Trinitron CRT monitors that, (laughs)
2: like,
0: take up an entire desk. Yep. (laughs) Uh, so like those monitors and the pocket PC, like it—it it very much dates this movie to like a couple years, uh, like a specific moment in time.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because those were fancy CRT monitors for the time they were. Um, if you look closely, the the big claim to fame with Trinitron was Sony had a patent on a, a specific way that the um, that it was displayed, that the light was fired onto the screen in such a way that they could actually have flat screens, flat screens. And, yeah, I remember and, and nobody else, nobody else had that tech. So that was the big deal. And these monitors actually are the flat screen ones. Yep. That was the height of early 2000s technology. Because you could get you could get LCD screens at this time, but they would not be as high resolution as you could get on a CRT. Like your LCD at the time, the highest res that, that they would they would all cap out at 1024 by 768. Whereas these um, these big Trinitron behemoths would probably go all the way up to 1600 by 1200.
2: Yeah, I think I had no, I only had a 15 inch, but it was a Trinitron because it was flat. Mm-hmm. It was my first monitor, but that was like in 97, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember taking it to college and then like having no desk room. <laughs>
1: <'Cause> <laughs> right. It, it, it yeah, because they were the enormous.
0: Whole... Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first got, when I got my first flat screen, when I got my first LCD and like I put it on the table that I had been using in my apartment as a desk. And it just like I'm like, oh, I have so much more space now. <laughs>
2: So here's here's where movie world kind of clashes, I think, with real world, because Landy goes to the CIA director and says, hey, I found this fingerprint and I don't have clearance to check this out. So give me this super high security clearance. And I feel like in the real world, they would have just handed this investigation off to somebody that already had clearance.
1: Uh huh. Uh,
2: (laughs) I mean, I don't know what her clearance is at this point, but you know it's not like he could just say yeah you have level five sci clearance which to me sounds pretty damn high but that's what happens uh also she gets the clearance and then immediately they show her running this fingerprint in this room full of people and i'm like do they all have level five clearance in this room like
0: excellent question
2: I mean, later she gets this box from like a clerk and she goes into this like secured room, which feels very skiff like. Mm -hmm. And that seems like what would happen in in the real world where they'd say, here are all these super secret files. You could read them, but you have to read them in this little room that we put you in with the box. And this is where we get reunited with Brian Cox, who's doing an excellent job of doing his asshole Brian Cox routine. Does Brian Cox Uh, ever not play an asshole? Not that I can think of. I mean, he's the original Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, he, he doesn't play an asshole in red. Oh, that's true. Which is a very fun movie, actually. Mm-hmm. That also has Carl Urban in it.
0: The sequel to that
1: sucked. Maybe we should do red. Mm. We should have done that when we did all the parodies. Yes.
0: Oh, well we will always think of movies we should do.
2: We yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> but in the meantime, we're doing Born Supremacy.
2: Yes. Um so Born Born goes to Italy and deliberately gets
0: flagged. Why did he go to Italy to get flagged? I don't know. Cuz he doesn't know that Berlin is a thing yet. No. Unless he's hoping to like also figure out his weird memories that he's having?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Actually, now that you mentioned that, uh, because he's he's on the run. From the thing that happened in India. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, no. He knows he knows it's a no, actually, no, because that happens later. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he doesn't know anything about this Berlin stuff yet. No, he doesn't. So he gets detained. Uh, We see this briefing where Landy is going over this thing that Conklin, uh Chris Cooper, uh, apparently was sitting on all this money and she has this theory that Conklin and Bourne were up to something and Bourne This doesn't make sense. No. (laughs) I mean it's not really it's not what happened.
0: Right. But no, it also doesn't make sense. And they point that out to her.
2: Yeah. And thank goodness Jason Bourne got flagged in naples italy (laughs) and then also thank goodness the cia director makes brian cox go with them i mean it makes sense yeah the guy they send in to interview Bourne is like right out of like new recruit central casting (laughs) yeah he's the one with the palm treo flip phone
0: i've been with i've been i've been here for four years well if you want to make it to five (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: I like when she's like, if you lock the place down, he says, well, this is Italy. We don't really lock things down. Yeah. Also, all this technology of him like
0: stealing the SIM card to clone the phone. Yeah. 2004 seems so long ago. Yeah. Look how giant those SIM cards are back then. Yep. And what's wild is that they're actually still more or less the same size. They just have gotten rid of all everything around the contacts at this point
2: yep so i like how uh born is just carrying around an eu license plate in his bag i wondered about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) i meant to note that down but i didn't
2: (laughs) and like a doohickey that can override the car because again this is the Early aughts when cars still had keys.
0: Well, cars okay. A lot of cars do actually still have keys. You can uh, still buy a car. Yes,
2: you. you can. You can.
0: Have you driven have a you rental ever, anytime recently? I was gonna say if you ever <laughs> rent a car, you still get a key. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, here's when uh julia Styles turns up again.
1: <laughs> oh, and then Bourne
2: goes to visit his former colleague, I guess.
0: Yes. The you other Treadstone have, agent.
2: The other Treadstone agent who is the last one left other than him.
0: If he is to be believed. True. There could be like 20 more that we don't know about. Yeah. There's at least Jeremy Renner somewhere.
2: Well, we don't know about him yet.
0: <laughs> well, no.
2: Well, and the guy that shot Conklin is still around somewhere, I guess, right? Yeah. They should have made this guy be that anyway.
0: Well, they could have made him be Carl
2: urban yeah so i mean born goes to visit this guy and ask like what's going on and he, he apparently knew something was going on because he called it in with his alarm system eventually they have this fight that like i said early on i think that this is the one scene that i really struggle with trying to figure out what the heck's going on half the should time should
0: have been 60 frames per second should yeah no i do like to. how
2: Boren demonstrates all the uses that a spy could have with a magazine in the scene. You know, he beats the guy up with a magazine and then he uses it to start a fire later. Uh, Or at least, or blow up the house, I guess I should say.
0: Yeah, that was... I don't like how easy it was to pull that gas line out.
2: Yeah, that's... That's... (laughs) That doesn't seem like it's to code. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know,
1: like... (laughs) Like, he
0: just goes into the closet and yanks the gas line off the wall. Like, yeah, that's that's dangerous. I, I admit I have never tried to yank any of my gas lines, but I assume I sure hope it would take more than just that. I mean, he doesn't screw it, it looks like, but does he? Yeah, okay. Really well, you exclu- shouldn't be able to unscrew it by hand. Either. No, you really shouldn't. <laughs> But if you can unscrew it by hand, it is not fastened tight enough. No.
2: <laughs> I mean, I do think this is clever, though, that he gets it loose and then he sticks the magazine in the toaster.
0: Yes. I do like that. But like, yeah, he it could have just been just as easily accomplished by, like, turning the gas on on the stove or something.
2: True. Yeah. Without the without hitting the ignition on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah, he does walk over and he does sort of unscrew it a little with his hands. But again, you shouldn't be able to unscrew the gas pipe with your hands. Right. (laughs) You're supposed to put those on super tight because you don't want a gas leak. No, not at all. (laughs) Anyway.
2: So how many, like lockers does Bourne have throughout the world in airports?
0: Every airport. Everywhere. Every probably. airport has has a locker that he puts I bet in. Jason Bourne even has a locker over at the Harrisburg Airport near me. <laughs> Good old one terminal here actually I think it has two terminals now. Uh, <laughs> Mainly. We find out we
2: find out that through the uh the the German payphone that he has the card for, which, again, how quaint. Uh, we find out that German hotels are really terrible with guest security. Because he's mm-hmm. he's calling every hotel in Berlin asking for Pamela Landy. And they just connect him. and they're like, yeah, she's here. Like,
1: OK, because
2: every time I've called a hotel, they ask what room number they're in. Yeah. Which would completely defeat the purpose of what he's trying to do here.
0: I've never actually called a hotel to talk to somebody because I live in an era where everyone has cell phones.
2: Yeah, true. <laughs> Once again, I've demonstrated that I'm older than you. Uh,
0: the only thing I've ever used a hotel phone for uh, was to order room service one time. Yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, probably.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, there's no way the U.S. government puts anyone up in this hotel.
0: <laughs> no.
2: So he figures out who Landy is. He follows her to the to the CIA, I don't know, op center or whatever you want to call it. I do like this scene where he calls them and talks about how he wants to come in and says he wants to have them send uh Julia Styles because he's worked with her and they're like, you know, how do we know where she is? And he's like, he's she's standing right next to you. Which is like the you know, we get the same scene later at the end of the movie, but Yes. Where he's clearly watching them.
0: Yeah, I, no, that's is well played.
2: Yeah. Um, and then they're gonna meet he's gonna meet her at this plaza in Berlin. Typical Jason Bourne stuff, you know, he's gonna outsmart all these CIA watchers and snipers and whatnot. Um One thing that I only found out because I listened to the director's commentary at one point is that mm-hmm. there was a student protest or something planned, and he saw these banners at what somewhere in Berlin, and that's why he sent her there oh um, okay like there there's a scene early on when he's in Berlin, and he looks and sees these all these um signs plastered up on the wall
0: okay, yeah, um, I missed that entirely, yeah,
2: you know I did too i i and I only know about it because he said so, you know, and he hauls he he gets a hold of Nikki and hauls her off into this basement room and interrogates her and stuff. And then that's the last we see of her in this movie. I, th- I think they do mention that they found her at some point, but
0: yeah, I mean, he's not going to kill her. No. Yeah. We don't see her getting killed by someone else. Cause I nope. wouldn't have put it past Brian Cox to kill her. Just, you know, cause
2: cause he
0: it's what he does. He just kills people. Apparently. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I like his line here in this scene where he says, you're in a big pile of shit, Pam, and you don't have the shoes for it. <laughs> and his his assistant, who's, I can't remember the actor's name, but Danny Zorn says, oh, I found something. Let's go. I'm going to go talk to you privately about it, which I kind of <sighs> guessed what was going to happen next.
0: Yep. Well, he didn't want to talk about it in public because he didn't want the whoever had set it, set it up to find out, but unfortunately he chose exactly the wrong person.
2: Right. <laughs> and here's where Jason Bourne goes to the internet cafe.
0: <laughs>
2: now, I think I would have expected knowing how Google works that if he looks up Vladimir Nesky, the first thing that would pop up was the fact that he was murdered.
0: You'd think
2: so, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, that and I don't remember the internet like spitting up microfiche digital microfiche versions of news articles because yeah. he keeps searching and he keeps getting these like re- reproductions of newspaper articles well, like he scans literal, literal, yeah. literal scans of newspapers
0: yeah that's not how the internet works usually. <laughs> actually sometimes it does like there's um I forget, Google has a service where they've like documented a whole bunch of periodicals and scanned them. I forget, <laughs> what, I forget sure. what they call it. Yeah. So like, yeah, but it wouldn't come up when you just search Vladimir Nesky, you would have had to have gone there to look for it in the first place.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. And this computer is running Windows XP in Ooh. the internet cafe. Cause it's got that green start button.
2: Yeah. Oh, and the hotel has flat screen monitors. Fancy. Yeah.
0: They have more money than the U S government. I guess so. The Internet Cafe monitor, I think, is the LCD as well. Certainly the close-up shots of the screen are, because they're I, right. square pixels. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like how Boren checks into this hotel without a reservation and doesn't even put a credit card down.
0: No, they just well, they like, take his your passport. So, I mean... Mm, that's true. It's still weird. Like, it's weird that they take his passport, right?
2: I, like, mean, I I haven't, ch- it's, I can't remember the last time I checked into a hotel in Europe.
0: Uh, I've never checked into a but. hotel in Germany, to be fair, but I yeah. have checked into a hotel in the UK and they did not require my passport. Okay. They wanted my credit card because, yeah. you know.
2: Because you can't pay for a hotel room with your passport. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would assume if they take your passport, they're going to assume you're not going to leave without it. Where are you going to go? But yeah. It's still weird that all that like they don't even ask for a credit card. He just asks for his passport. That's all he asks for. And so I don't know what
2: typical hotel policy is, but if a high profile politician is murdered in one of your rooms, do you still rent it out to people? (laughs) Probably. I guess maybe. And here we get the uh, what I said was the uh, fax machine that was timed for maximum drama. Where they get the facts of Jason Bourne like right after he checks into the hotel.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So because they only have nice the foot.
0: passport to compare the photo to.
2: True. <laughs> yeah, but the I mean the manager guy like shows the the desk clerk the thing and he's like, Oh yeah, I just gave him a room. And we That's, get a decent foot we get a nice foot chase here in Berlin. I I like how he goes and checks this up, the the elevated train schedule and yeah, and he's, he's also right lucky time. that
0: whoever was in room 645 wasn't there at the time.
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: If this had been a Bond movie, it would have been a naked woman in that room. <laughs> well, either that or there would have been a bowl of grapes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's no grape stealing in this movie. I don't think uh, so. No. There's your episode title. Nah, we've, we've done there's no something in this movie couple times already but that's true but <laughs> I, mean, I i like this this little foot chase we get he runs across the tracks jumps onto the, mm-hmm. the boat and then i don't know how that little pike thing sticks to the bridge quite so well that it does but we'll go with it uh
0: <laughs> and he gets
1: away
2: also i mean I'm clearly not in as good a shape as Jason Bourne because there's no way I could pull myself <laughs> up from that bike <laughs> no. under the bridge. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I mean, I wouldn't have made the run. I would have gotten hit by that train. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true, too. If I had even made it that far.
2: <laughs> yeah. I always like Brian Cox in this next scene where he goes to the hotel and he sees where there are and he's like, "What? what's Landy up to? And You know, she's in the hotel. He's like, all right, I'm going back to my room. (laughs) And Landy recognizes where they are.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, That Nesky was murdered there.
0: Do you still
1: think his wife killed him? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Oh, and here's where Brian Cox calls the Russian guy. And we basically get an info dump about all the nefarious things they were up to before. (laughs) And He's like, go get Jason Bourne. And the guy hangs up on him. And, of course, Bourne's already been in the hotel room. Mm Mm-hmm. I like this fake-out with him, you know, holding what he thinks is a gun to his head, and it's just a tape recorder.
0: Yeah. I like, I really like how this is shot, where it's just, where it's, like, with the completely black background, so you basically just see their heads. Yes. I really like this scene.
2: Yeah, it's, it's well, well staged, and cinematographer or the director or whatever. I think they did. Yeah, I think it's a. Yeah, like and like you get Brian Cox and then just like this blurry outline of Jason Bourne's face Mm -hmm. shows up in the background. Yeah, I think it's great.
0: Yeah, so Jason Bourne goes back to the locker to get passports.
2: Yep. And Landy goes to talk to Brian Cox and he's been drinking out of the mini bar, And, uh, Oh, he has an excellent laptop on his desk now that I look at it. <laughs> uh,
0: that is a very late 90s laptop. Late 90s. Yeah. Laptop. Yep. Yep.
2: <laughs> and
0: he shoots himself in the head. Yeah. And I think she thinks he's going to shoot her. For oh, a yeah. Second. Yeah. Because she screams because he raises the yep. gun and then, nope, he shoots himself. Yep. And Jason Bourne is going to Moscow. I like Brian Cox's
2: last line where he says, I'm not Sorry. Yeah, he's like, I'm not I. I, Yeah, I did bad things. I don't care. I'm just sad. I'm just sorry I got
0: caught. Don't tell me you're sorry when you're not. We both know you're just sorry you got caught.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well played.
0: (laughs) So we're in Uh, Moscow, Russia.
2: Yep. Not Moscow, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah. Born mailed uh, or sent Landy the audio recording. So she knows what was going on.
0: And uh, Carl Robert finds out Jason Bourne is still alive. Yeah, I I,
2: lo- I don't know why, but I like this shot of him in this nightclub. And then he opens the door and it's broad daylight.
0: Yes. <laughs> like,
2: well, that's what he does on his month off. Yes. Yep. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and he's like, you told me you had a month off. And the Russian guy's like, you told me Jason Bourne was dead. Get in the damn car. <laughs> And yeah, this is like th- this last act of the movie is why I, re- I think I really like it. Just, mm-hmm. you know, he's we don't know what he's really up to at this point. Right. Uh, he's going around. Th- this old woman really knows a lot about this. The daughter of the Nesky people because she's like, oh, I think she moved to this. And then she tells the exact Nesky, number, the exact <laughs> number of the, of the room or yeah. The unit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
2: Yep. You know, we find out that. uh Carl Urban works for the FSB or at least he says he does.
0: Yeah, and Jason Bourne finds out that his taxi driver informed on him cuz he speeds away.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and he's been shot in the arm cuz Carl Urban is bad at his job, although to be fair he has a handgun.
0: <laughs> yeah, handgun fairly long range. That was yeah, actually a yeah, pretty yeah. good shot to Pretty to hit good him shot actually to
2: hit him at all, yeah. And I like this like he's staggers through this market and takes a bottle of vodka and some dish towels and, and a map and then steal steals this cab driver's car by spitting in his face
0: yeah i like that see well he spits in the cop's face with the vodka right? oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah it's the cop's face yeah you're right
0: <laughs> which yeah that was like that was the reason he drank the vodka probably was to right
2: yeah yeah was because he kn- he took he, the vodka to pour on the gunshot wound, too. Right, but
0: the reason he drank the vodka right before he tried to open the cop's car was he knew he was going to do that. Yep. I think. Yep. Which, yeah, I thought was very well done. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get a car chase.
2: Right, which I still will put up as one of, if not the best car chases I've seen in a movie.
0: It was pretty good, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, just... This is the first time I remember watching a car chase and feeling like I was in the middle of it and not just watching something that was staged.
0: You know what would make it better? What's that? Six frames per second?
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. I will say that I don't think Russian cabs are quite this well built.
0: (laughs) Probably not. No. I like how we get so many... Well... One thing that I think is a little weird is we get so many close-ups of the pedals.
1: Oh,
2: yeah.
0: I'm not sure why that's necessary. Like, yeah, we get it. He's driving a stick.
2: Yep. Well, I mean, this is what I think. I felt like um, Quantum of Solace was trying to do with that opening sequence in the tunnel. Oh, yeah. And they just, for whatever reason, like, they didn't know how to film it. <laughs> if you ever want, there's a really interesting behind the scenes of them filming this, and, like, they built a rig where it's basically a car that has a detachable side... It's like a sidecar that has an actual steering wheel on it that drives the car. Um, and then they can move cameras all in all different directions, so it's, it's not, like, being towed. It's... Imagine, like, a car that has, like, a remote control... It's not remote control, but... A detachable steering wheel that you could put anywhere on the car and drive it. So they could film, like matt damon in a vehicle from pretty much any angle and still mm-hmm. have some some professional driving the car right and i think it 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 works like like i i think and, and the stunt driver or the stunt coordinator at one point has said you know he got a lot of crap from people in the studio saying like how could you put matt damon in this type of jeopardy and he's like if they thought he was in danger at any point we're doing everything right because yeah. you know he's he's not <laughs> <laughs> like none of this is dangerous what what he's actually doing.
0: Right. And yeah, no, it, and it looks great. It it really does. Yes. Mhm. I just I do actually think it would look better at higher frame rate. My I sure. will always be annoyed that uh I think and I think the reason high frame rate never took off is because the only movie the tr- only movies that tried to do it were the uh Hobbit movies which, you know, weren't great.
2: No, they were not.
0: If it had been a really good action movie that like people really liked, I think we'd be seeing a lot more high framing movies now. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Sort of like how James Cameron made Avatar, which actually wasn't that great of a movie, but looked amazing. Uh, and we've had, we've had 3d movies in the theater ever since.
2: Mm. -hmm. The problem is most of those movies were up converted from 2d.
0: Well, that was originally these days. Most 3d movies are actually shot that way now. Okay. Yeah, for the first several years, they were they they were up converting movies that had already been shot. But now they usually shoot them that way from the beginning. Although I, I think the best 3D movies are and probably always will be are um, 3D animated movies like Avatar. <laughs> sure. I mean, like <laughs> like Disney and Pixar. No, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because those are already, those are rendered 3D animations to begin with. So they already yep. have all the depth right there. Oh yeah, no, no, I get you. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like finding Nemo in 3D is amazing.
2: It's amazing.
1: Yeah, no. It's like you're in a fish tank.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to say I saw the Born Legacy in 3D. It didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'll
2: get there in a couple episodes.
0: <laughs> I actually yeah. remember that one a little bit. I remember it ended with a car chase that was that seemed anticlimactic. Yep. And I remember him in a cabin in the frozen woods, and Jason Bourne's name was scratched into the bunk.
2: Yep. It does not appear in the movie?
0: No, but his name appears scratched into that bunk. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. it's his legacy, not, you know, him. Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
2: you know, I, honestly, I would have been I would have been better. Felt better if they just did a series of movies that didn't actually have Jason Bourne in them. Mm. Instead of doing well one, bringing him back and then calling creatively calling the movie Jason Bourne.
0: Yeah. I also just remember, like, when I saw it, I was like. Because Jeremy Renner was obviously in it, and it's like, oh, it's the guy from uh, from Mission Impossible (laughs) Four.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing him. Oh, it's the guy from the Hurt Locker.
0: Like I have seen the Hurt Locker, but like, yeah, but like, like that's where I feel like his he became a name. Yeah, no, I think you're right, but like I recognized him as the guy from Mission Impossible Four. Like that's where I saw where I thought of him first. Nowadays, obviously, I think of him as like Hawkeye from MCU, but.
2: So Bourne gets away from from well, he crashes uh, Carl Urban's car into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how the physics of that worked, but anyway. Yeah, uh,
0: I don't I won't think too hard about it.
2: No. And then we find he is as is Bourne's thing. He breaks into this woman's apartment. And we find out this is the daughter of. Vladimir Nesky,
0: Jason Bourne, Home Invader,
2: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and he's just there basically to say, you know, you think this is what you think your mom shot your father and killed herself, and that's not what happened. I killed them both. And like I was when I was watching this the other day, I was like, I, I know he's done like, ma- like bigger roles and so I don't think Matt Damon gets enough credit for his acting ability. Uh-huh. Because I think he's quite good in this scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's good in a lot of things. I don't. I, oh, yeah. I, he's a movie star kind of person who usually they don't talk about their acting. And I think well, I think both of them are. Act- I don't know who this Russian woman is, uh, but
1: I think they're both quite good in this, this yeah. scene here. Uh, I think Matt Damon has done some very
0: good acting in he has, several yeah. movies. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But like, especially at this point in his career. Yeah. Because the other thing I kept thinking, you know, I was thinking this when I watched The Bourne Identity and still here, I'm like, he's really young here. Yeah. I mean, it's not goodwill hunting young, but.
0: <laughs> no, but he's definitely a very well-known actor at this point.
2: Oh, yeah. He's an above the title actor by now. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, he apologizes to her and he leaves. And then we get this little button on the movie. Where. We're in New York City, New York. (laughs) Because. Sure. (laughs) That's that's the one that makes me laugh in this movie.
0: New York City, New York.
2: Like like, you you get a picture of like the Empire State's built Empire State Building and (laughs) New York City, New York.
0: Yeah. If it's a New York City, USA, that would be a little better, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we get the scene where Born, where she, where, Landy tells Born who he, he really is.
2: Yep. Which in the Ludlum novels, he remembers at the very end of the first book. But mm-hmm. and I like she says, you know, this is your name and this is where you're born. Why don't we Why, why don't, we don't come you come in and, in, and we can we'll, talk about it. We'll talk about it. And he just says, get some rest, Pam. You look tired.
0: And that is yeah. now that I'm recalling, that's how the next movie ends as well, isn't it? No. Oh, it's in the... Mid- okay, never mind. I'll, I'll, I no, have to so, watch the Okay, place. so what I will say,
2: you know, people have seen these movies before, I'm sure. Uh, so have I. Again, I why, why would you listen to this podcast if you haven't seen the movie before? I really appreciate, the, you know, the end of this movie on that note, and that scene comes up in, like, the third act of the next movie.
0: Okay, okay.
2: Because the, the movie picks up Right after the tunnel car chase.
0: Uh, Oh, okay. Okay.
2: And, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens between that and then the last scene of the movie or the last scene in this movie, which I think is clever. Okay. Gotcha. uh, To, to, to not just pick up where, where we last saw people. But yeah, that's, that's the born supremacy. All right. And we get Moby again. (laughs) Cause it's the early aughts.
0: Yes. (laughs) Whenever I hear Moby, I always think of that episode of How I Met Your Mother when they thought they were hanging out with Moby and it was actually just some (laughs) random bald guy. Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wonder
2: what Moby's doing these days. I don't know. Helped bring dance music to a mainstream audience both in the United States and the United Kingdom. Good for Moby. Real name is Richard Melville Hall.
0: Okay. So the Melville is why he came up with Moby, I assume.
2: Hall says he's the great, great, great nephew of Herman Melville.
0: Ah, okay. I I just assumed with the Melville and the Moby. Yeah, they have to be related. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your middle name can't be if your middle name is Melville and your stage name is Moby, that would be a wild coincidence if they weren't related.
2: (laughs) His father gave him the nickname Moby three days after his birth, as his parents considered the name Richard too large for a newborn baby
0: better than dick i guess
2: because i was gonna say because there aren't any unfortunate nicknames for richard
0: there's also rich i mean you don't yeah, have rich to be. rick
2: you don't have to yeah. be dick
1: yeah uh
0: i have a i have an uncle richard who goes by dick and he like he had an issue with some system where he was like there's some social media i forget what where he was trying to like set up a profile and it wouldn't let him use his
1: name <laughs>
2: that sounds about right <laughs> I always think of the former NASCAR driver Dick Trickle and it's like <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my well and there there was the former Philadelphia Phillies pitching coach Dick Pohl <laughs> which again I would choose a different nickname for or shortened version of Richard if that was my last name but
0: Okay all right, so but yeah we
2: we close out with moby we get a new ver we get a new version of the Moby song next week
0: <laughs> all right, and we will next week we will talk about the born ultimatum.